You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. The theme of today's show turned out to be, don't fear the future, plan for it. And my guest is a pretty dynamic figure. Raquel Caral is on a mission, and she's out to disrupt things. The green landlady, as she's known, helps high net worth individuals who want to invest in property. And in the process, she takes care of people, profits, and most importantly, planet. In our conversation, we discuss everything from Raquel's first job in the UK, where she cleaned toilets at McDonald's, and how she progressed from there to discover a talent for raising investment. But above and beyond that, in the brief time we talked, Raquel gives a lot of insights into how people can significantly improve their heat retention at home, even in old homes, and why triple glazing is not a panacea, and also why good airflow is critical. All of this, of course, is really important from an environmental and health perspective, but these days with fuel costs rocketing, simple hacks to reduce heating bills are perhaps more likely to motivate us. So Raquel, thank you very much for um, coming in today and let's have a chat. Now, I want to start with your humble beginnings, I guess, in the UK when, from what I know, you arrived here with a thousand pounds and a ham and cheese sandwich. Is that true? <laughs> oh, good morning, Deidre. And thank you very much for having me, first of all. And yes, there's part of it which is correct. The other one is I think you misinterpreted last time. But uh, no, it is a thousand pounds. Yes, absolutely. I arrived to this country with a thousand pounds, and I didn't arrive with just one sandwich. I actually arrived with a luggage full of ham and cheese. So oh, because I didn't know how long I only had booked three nights in a hotel, so I didn't know how long I was going to be here for. And because I had such a little money. I didn't know whether I would like the food, so I thought to myself, listen, if I just bring the ham and cheese, all I have to buy is the bread, and then things will la- my £1,000 will last for longer. So obviously that's why the reason behind. I didn't know whether I was going to like the food in the UK. I had no idea what to expect in the UK. Well, I like your thinking. You can't go far wrong with a suitcase full of ham and cheese. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, tell me then how you went from having... £1,000 and a suitcase full of ham and cheese to raising £12 million in investment funding. How does that happen? Well, it happens gradually. It's not overnight. Um, (laughs) And it does happen through determination and constant work. I mean, I started my journey in the UK cleaning toilets in McDonald's because I didn't think my English was good enough. I didn't think anyone was going to hire me, even though I came here to do my master's. um, I soon when I went to the university to register, then I learned that I was a whole year late. I arrived the day that the master was starting and I thought in my head that I had to come today in order to register. So it was a complete misunderstanding as to what when I was supposed to be arriving. So when I arrived, I realized, oh my God, I can't do my master's. What am I going to do? And that's when I said, okay, then I need to improve my English. So I took the first job that mm-hmm. anyone will just give me. And the easiest way for me was just to approach a McDonald's and say, hey, will you take me? 
And I was really fast. I was very, very fast. Obviously, McDonald's saw what was inside me. And very quickly, within a month, I was working behind the tails. I was working, counting the money in the back office. So it was something that it was very, very fast. Is that I don't claim to have been cleaning toilets in McDonald's for years because I didn't. Um, it was a very, very quick process. But I, it also meant that I worked. Uh, I took whatever job it allowed me to improve my English in order to integrate myself. And then one led to, led to another, a bartending job led to a office job. The office job led to um, business development where I was just learning and I was raising finances for a, um, I was raising sponsorship money and mm-hmm. for, for a company that did um, events. And then, um, then very soon I realized that I was actually very good at raising money. I was very good at actually asking people for money and giving them a good deal. So I developed mm. my negotiation skills. And when the time came, uh, when the time was right, and then obviously I set up on my, uh, on my own, my property business. And then I realized that actually it gets in any property owner's journey, it gets to a point when you run out of money. And if you want to grow, you keep, you have to start looking for investment. And that's what I did. So I just thought I wasn't done with property. So I had to just find the money somewhere else. And then obviously... And that's what I did. So I started networking uh, hugely and then uh, I just did uh, very well. So every time I just asked for a little more and a little more. And I have this big thing about sustainability and big houses. And my big passion has always been developing these huge houses. So, yeah, so I just needed a lot of money (laughs) to develop them. I just couldn't just do that with little money. Well, I think that's that's probably one of the um, things that maybe puts people off even thinking about property as part of their um, their growth strategy, you know, because we've got a lot of people who are either working very hard in their nine to fives or they're working very hard on their own business and so on. Um, but, you know, some of the most successful entrepreneurs that I know have very much um, opted to have a property pot somewhere in the mix. Um, why would why would you say that that it's such a popular um, tactic for people who are very good at creating wealth? Because there's nothing that creates more. I think it's I've, in the past, I've always been told that uh, one of the one of the pillars to actually create wealth is property because property never goes down in price. You know, but it will go down in price. But eventually, if you look at historical reasons, it's always on the increase. You never, you know, a property that someone bought 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago, it's not. It's, it's never going to go down in value. It's always going to go mm. up. So it's just a question of it always bits the um, it always bits time. So and that's one of the strongest ways of actually creating wealth. Now, once you have a property portfolio, you want to diversify, and that's why people start with property. Or we'll have property, or we'll start something else, and then just always grow a property portfolio on the side, and then that will just give them a very strong, solid base for them to just keep on expanding and growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess that if, if somebody was putting their money into an ISA or something, or you know, they they're they they feel like they need to play it safe because we've had a lot of instances where property prices have bubbled and crashed and there's there, there is definitely um a mindset of well we just we don't know it's an it's an uncertainty is is that your experience obviously not you've just said that 
prices keep growing. But how do you insulate yourself from those ups and downs, as it were, of the property market? You do risk absolutely everything, every single investment that you that you or every single decision on the investment that you take. And that's how you protect yourself. You cannot protect yourself 100%, but by diversifying on the kind of properties that you might have in your portfolio, but also by uh, just de-risking absolutely every single decision that you take about it, then it becomes, it's no longer a gambling. I mean, it's never been a gambling uh, thing for me. I go super slow because I go super securely. And... Mm. um People say to me, oh, but you've been in the property for over 10 years, you know, 10, 15 years. And it's like, yeah, but I wasn't, I didn't start the business straight away. You know, I started like an accidental landlord and then just bought one property and then bought another one, made mistakes on the way. I mean, I made mistakes like anyone else, but the problem, and that's how you learn once you Mm -hmm. trained yourself and then you realize actually this is where you've learned from those mistakes because that's exactly where I go wrong. You don't repeat them. And as long as you mm-hmm. learn from those mistakes, then you become more and more secure in the decisions that you are taking. Mm. It is scary because a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, one of the big, uh, one of the big players in, in in my industry just collapsed and filed for bankruptcy, and and that was quite scary because they had a lot of money, a lot of investors, a lot of small investors investing twenty five thousand pounds on them, but the problem is that they took far too many risks and obviously mm. they just could not sustain the kind of debt that they were having on top of them. And and, and I make sure that that's not the case for me. Mm. And that's one of the reasons I don't work with just £25,000 investors because that means I have to take a lot of them while I just mm. work one investor for one house and then I keep them totally separately. So then mm. I mm-hmm. reduce the, the risk that I have um, mm-hmm. with a particular investor because I just keep him separately. Each of them is an individual line of a line of building, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So rather than just kind of bringing in lots of different amounts and putting them into one pot like some big fund, you're actually almost consulting for an individual on an individual property. Is, is that right? Yeah, pretty much so, yeah. So okay. I use one individual's money just to create a line of properties or develop a line of uh, mm. um, three or four properties in Birmingham or something like that, or right, here okay. in, in, in my area. So, yeah. So it's like a, a done-for-you property portfolio. You've got somebody who knows what's happening, who knows what's going on, um, and they're actually, you're there as the guide, you're there as the the, the steering for this. Yeah, absolutely. But remember that I also, I not only build portfolios for other people, but I also, they lend me the money and they'll they'll just get a fixed return on that money. So mm. when I say I do three or four properties, uh, it doesn't mean that I build them for the particular person. It just means that I get to do three or four projects with the same amount of money. But because it's a specific amount of money, then that will allow me to buy a house or develop a house in an area as opposite to another. So, for instance, mm. just for argument's sake, I can develop a house in Birmingham for £150,000, but I would not be able to do that in London. Yes. So, in order for me to develop a house in London, I need an investor who gives me half a million pounds plus. Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So, it depends on yeah. the amount of income that we are looking for and whatever is on the strategy, then we look for those kind of investors. And then if someone comes along and then suddenly says, actually, I'll give you a million pounds, 
then it's up to me to decide, okay, what is the next step on the portfolio, which is what is exactly that we are looking for, and that's what we're focusing in. Okay, so are your clients then um, typically people who have an interest in environmental issues? Because I'm coming around now to the um, the brand that you have, which is the, the Green Landlady, and you're, I'm, I'm intrigued by your interest in this and how uh, how your clients see it. Okay, so yes, ten, technically, um, a lot of people that will work with me is because they want to do something um, to help the planet. They want to do something that they feel they're they're helping out with. So um, the, my traditional client will be someone. It could be a pensioner, so it could be someone who is retired and has a pot of fund, or simply someone who's got just money on their home and they just didn't know what to do and they want to use the the steady income that I give them. They want to use them as as a pension pot. Um, As much as someone who is extremely busy, they have a very high-end job. They're uh, CEOs, directors. They have their own companies. They want to do something. They want to invest their money, but they just don't have the time. They don't have the time. They don't have the knowledge, and therefore they just want to delegate that to someone else. And again, they have sustainability within their agenda. So it is the people that has come to me and didn't have sustainability on the agenda after working with me, they've ended up with a sustainability <laughs> on the agenda. So it's, it's a really lovely thing to see that people actually adapt and, and understand a bit more. And when I explain to them, you know, the kind of things that we are doing, it's lovely to see that the faces lit up and then just realizing, oh, actually, so we're going to be helping the planet as much as just making money. And he was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you are, you're doing three things. You're looking after people, you're looking after the planet, but you're also looking after yourself because we are mm-hmm. creating profits and benefits for you. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. I mean, that's like the, the, the ultimate sweet spot, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Can you give us an idea what sort of things you're doing to create sustainability in housing? Well, I do three different things mainly. One of them is I will take an old period building and then I will refurbish it. And then the way I refurbish them, then because I go back to break as much as possible, then what will happen is that because we take things right to, to the beginning, then we upgrading insulation, we add up, we upgrade uh, energy efficiency, we upgrade windows, we change LED spots, we look at introducing um, if if we can have uh, air source heat pumps or electric boilers, then we would prefer those to normal boilers. It all depends on, on what the house is for because there's a thing that you say that's fit for purpose. So mm-hmm. I don't develop a house that is just going to be way over whatever the purpose of that house it is. So that's the first time. And then on the second line is when we build from scratch. So we will just take in a commercial building and then we'll divide it into flats or we'll build from ground up. And obviously when you build from ground up, then it's a lot easier because then mm-hmm. architects get involved and then we get um, sustainability is at the core of that design. So then it will just be insulated much better insulated it will be just um, airtight a lot airtight then it will have better energy efficiency boilers or if not boilers as i said source heat pumps air source heat pumps or ground source heat pumps or whatever is needed on the on there we look at where the biggest losses of heat can actually take place from and then we address those so mm. whether it's uh, whether that is just a 
um, a conversion from a big house or a commercial unit into into flats, or whether it's from browse up. So can I ask you then, just you know, for the average listener um, who is living in a house or apartment or whatever, what are the what are the sustainability sins that we're committing without knowing? Is there something that we should all change? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, have you got all your all your lights? Are they all LEDs? And this is something that is very interesting. Not all of them. Some people still have fluorescent lights in big kitchens, and it's very interesting. You can change that straight away on on the right strips. You know, have um, you got have you got changed to a smart meter? I'm not sure about the smart meter, but I don't have any fluorescence. Um, I've got a lot of these, uh, you know, the new style ones. I'm not sure if they're LED or what they are, but they look like light bulbs, but they've got... Um... <laughs> they should be LEDs. <laughs> they're they, probably LEDs. They yeah. should be, yeah, especially because you can't buy all fluorescent bulbs anymore. So it's only for old people who haven't changed the house in, in 30, 40 years that they still want to have them because they think that it's just more economical to leave the lights on for the rest of the day as opposed to just switch them on and switch them off. Um, there is, I mean, there's loads of little things that you do. If you live in a period property, for instance, you can just put reflectors behind the radiators. They cost absolutely Ooh. nothing. And then we'll actually uh, reflect the heat back into the rooms as opposed to just going uh, just Soaking basically the, the heat spreading out yeah then that's a you great can do, then uh you can insulate the walls and mm-hmm. um you know if you put for instance if you are if you're one of those persons that lives in a preview property and then just laugh love 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 wallpaper well do you know that if you just put an insulation of 10 millimeters um 10 millimeters insulation insulation you plasterboard it and then you just put wallpaper on top of it so, so the ten millimeters insulation is with a plast is with a special plasterboard, and mm-hmm. which then you seal off, and obviously you just put the the wallpaper on top of it, and that will reduce a uh, heat loss by masses. You know, it's wow. like seventy percent or something like that. So there is, uh, um, you know, the ideal scenario is where absolutely every single person of us just hires a heat loss engineer, and they come to you, they do a report. Uh, I mean, some of my guys do this. They come, They uh, we send a heat loss engineer to a house. He spends six, seven hours studying the whole building and then just analyzing absolutely where is all the heat is coming out from. And then obviously we tackle those areas. So mm. again, people say, oh, double glazing, triple glazing, absolutely everything. Okay, but you know that triple glazing was amazing if you do it on the north facing mm-hmm. side of your house. But this doesn't really get any more benefits from a double glazing at the back if it's a self-facing uh, right. wall. So it's, it's very interesting. So obviously retrofitting all of these little bits and bobs are a lot easier. Well, they're a lot harder in a way than actually just building them from scratch because the architects have, because architects have sustainability at the core of every single design brief these days, then obviously they put the house in the best orientation. They take airflow, airflow into account. They take loads of little details that neither you or me, when we buy a house, we're going to mm-hmm. be looking, well, I might yeah. think about it, but a normal person might not think about it. Oh, what's the airflow in the house? The oh, what? Sorry. Well, how, how is your, your house ventilated? Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Never. Just when I opened the door. <laughs> 
Well, that's, this is it, isn't it? You know, because we go in and we make emotional decisions about the house Absolutely. that we want to live in, how we feel about it, how we feel in the space. So, yeah, it's it seems like there, you know, we're we're still trying to catch up with that. And I, at the moment, it seems like that's an option. People can either live with an inefficient house that they have um, that has already existed for maybe 100 years or they can, you know, look at something, creating something new. But, but it seems... you, can I just stop you there one second? Mm-hmm. Because I was just going to say, but what people doesn't realize is that some, something as simple as airflow within mm-hmm. a house, yeah? is responsible for how tired you are, whether you are efficient or not, whether you have more concentration and are more efficient within in your work. You know, they can help you sleep better. It can mm-hmm. help you um, with headaches and removes of them. It, it makes you happier in your environment. So there, there's a lot of benefits, a huge amount of benefits, which obviously there is only now that people are starting to realize all of these benefits that, that have, I mean, when you buy your house, you never think, oh, can I just air the house completely, you know, from front to back? Does he, even when I still, it still shocks me when people says to me, I ask them, how often do you air your house? And they'll say, well, in summer it's always open. And I said, yeah, but what about in winter? And they'll say, well, never because the heating is on. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm, it, it still shocks me because it's like, so how do you, refresh the air in those rooms mm. you know a simple 10 minutes open or leaving the the fans in the toilet for a little bit longer or mm-hmm. leaving the the structure fans in the kitchen for longer periods of time you know all of that just helps with ventilation and and it's very interesting that people think that they're gonna pay a lot more money for 10 minutes while the benefits are greater than actually spending so sorry mm. i just wanted to make sure that we touch on that because I think a lot of people actually miss that. And um, and as we as the economy grows and we have more disposable income, then we tend to look at what we how we can benefit our own health. Mm-hmm. And you know, benefiting our own health doesn't have to cost us money on this world. In this world, it can be as opening as just open the window for ten minutes. Yeah, you know, as simple as that will make a massive difference. No, that that's that really is amazing, um, Raquel. Because I think that you know, it's like we we forget the simplest things. We forget sometimes that you know it doesn't have to be a, a technological revolution, and that a lot of a lot of the just as you say, the things that don't cost anything can make such a difference. Mm, massive. So, Raquel, just as as we start to wrap up here, I, I obviously you have got this enormous amount of advice and information and you know, ways that people can either improve their um their prospects for investing or just their their regular <laughs> homes. Um so is it I you mentioned that you were going to be running a program at some point soon. What is the best way for people to find you and find out more about what you do? Well, I tend to be most on Instagram. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, Raquel Cadal, um, the Green Land Lady, that would be amazing. Then I also hang out on LinkedIn and then on Facebook. So you can just contact me there. Then, mm-hmm. yes, if you are interested on the program, if you if you think that this is something that is of interest, then I will say to people, please contact me on my mobile for a 30 minutes 
no no fee, completely free consultation. I'll see whether I can help you or not and whether we are suited to be working together. And if I can help you out, then obviously they'll be very interested. And yes, mm-hmm. the course is actually coming up. The, hopefully it should be out on the market on the 1st of June, 2022. Mm-hmm. So we are now just, putting we are still working really hard just trying to to pack it up with as many tips as possible that everybody just can just take and then actually just go around the house saying okay have i done this yes kind of like a checklist yeah yeah that's amazing where they can just go through and and then just yeah they they go the the tips just go as i said from very little money and absolutely no Mm -hmm. money like open the windows um to actually just invest in um tens of thousands of pounds on a on a great ground source heat pump if your house is the right type of house to have mm-hmm. a ground source heat mm-hmm. pump but um yeah. yes it'll hopefully be very exciting and people can learn a lot about it and can share my my passion for actually just improving the environment and improving and breaking the barrier i'm on a mission Deidre. i'm on a mission on actually just interrupting the market and then just leading the way on the uh, private rec on the private rented accommodation sector to actually improvement of the houses. We have a deadline to meet with the government, but also we have a deadline with ourselves. There is no plan B, so we need to act now. We do. And of course, I mean, we're, we're seeing the cost of fuel rising and rising every day almost at this stage. So if for no other reason, if, if you're, even if you're reasons are not about preservation of the planet everybody i think at this point has a concern for how they're going to just even be able to sustain their current fuel use so being able to find ways to reduce that and to um yeah to 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 just get a nail on where we're actually just letting we're burning money effectively Mm, it is it is you are literally burning money at the moment and and nothing has put more at risk like Russia's in, in a train situation. This has highlighted to everyone uh, how much we, you know, the UK in this case, we don't we don't depend as much as the rest of Europe does on these uh, gas pipes. But um, it just makes you realise that, you know, whatever you can do to be self-sustainable is just a step ahead of everyone else. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be scared of the future. You want to plan for it. So mm. starting... Starting now, um, even though at the moment there's nothing forcing you to do it as a landlord, there's nothing forcing you to do it as an investor, let's just start now and not rush to a deadline that is, is, is certain that it's going to come yeah. in the future. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's just do it little by little. Let's put it into your budgets as a landlord. Let's do maintenance improvements mm-hmm. as opposite to, you know, rush last minute improvements just to get to whatever EPC levels we need to. Yeah, take the initiative and do the right thing, yeah? Yeah, just do it now. Don't fear the future, plan for it. Look after the people, look after your people, your planet and your profits will come down. Raquel, that is outstanding advice. I think just in, in general life terms as well as in terms of property and investing and so on as well so thank I would you. like to say a big thank you for, for doing this we'll put all the details in the show notes as always um, Raquel thank you so much and I'll see you at the other side thank you you're still here? great 
Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 